In business and life, relationships are everything. Welcome to the People Catalyst Podcast, where we interview top business leaders and learn how they build relationships with their teams, clients, and those that promote and refer them. Here's your host, business trainer and leader of the People Catalyst team, Carla Nelson. And welcome to the People Catalyst Podcast, Craig Handley. All right, thanks for having me on. I'm super excited. We are super excited <laughs> to have you, Craig. You have such a unique uh, journey in this entrepreneurial journey. Your bio says it all. <laughs> and uh, so mm -hmm. share with us, what is your story? Like, how did this start out with and how did you end up, you know, building a company of what, more than a thousand people now, right? Yeah, and I think a lot of it started, you know, when I was young. I've always looked for ways throughout my life to find alternative ways of thinking, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So when I was a kid, I had a paper route. I was always getting the most new customers. Um, I was bullied, you know, in junior high. And I think part of, part of going out door to door and getting people to buy my newspaper, it was something that made me feel good. And every year I would win the trip to Florida or I'd win the – trip to the Red Sox game to meet Wade Boggs, who never showed up, so we met Paul Stanley instead. Um, bummer. Bummer. But, uh, <laughs> I was just going to, I love Wade Boggs. I might still have one of his. He set um, us up. He, he was like a rookie that year. He was supposed to meet us, and he never showed up, so Paul Stanley came out, the palm ball, you know, <laughs> pitcher there, and, and came out and met us as well, so we had a picture with Paul Stanley, whatever. But, it, you know, it's one of those things where when you're looking for ways to feel good, that was obviously it, and then even throughout high school and college, I was always, instead of getting a job, right, I would do a Sunday paper out, which paid just as much as the weekly. So that was, you know, a little bit of a life hack there. But then, you know, I would do disc jockeying. So I would DJ, that would pay some money, uh, which I ended up getting into weddings, weddings paid more. Um, and then you only have to work one day a week. So I had time to do a lot of things. So I picked up umpiring baseball, a baseball game. I used to make $70 for every game. And this is back a, a few years, but, and then I said, well, if baseball's good, soccer's an hour, like that's fixed, you know, <laughs> soccer's, and so, because baseball could go an hour and a half or two yeah. hours, but not soccer. So then I started just loading up on soccer games and 70 bucks a game. I mean, I, I could make more as a high school kid working two hours a day than most people were making working 80 hours a week. Mm -hmm. And I continued through college, you know, doing all these crazy things. So I think I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit. I used to do door-to-door -door selling of insurance um, after, well, I was going to music school. I mean, I'm a music major, never graduated, but of course, that's my whole business experience is going to music school. Um, and, uh, and so as I was doing the insurance thing, uh, after two and a half years being the top of my field, I realized they had probably capped my income. So I ended up in a call center mm -hmm. taking phone calls. And then I became really good at sales on the phone. So I started, people would listen to me on the phones. They'd actually record my phone conversations and write scripts for my phone conversations. Mm -hmm. And then they just started asking me to write scripts. And then if I would train on the way that I spoke in my scripts, then the agents would end up closing more. So people would ask me to write scripts and become a trainer. And then other people left the call center I was in and they were like, we got to get Craig Hanley to come over and write our scripts and train our agents. Next thing you know, I was going all across the country, building call centers, writing phone scripts. I think I was probably the highest paid copywriter in the country for a phone script. 
right? Before the days of the internet, you know, I was the, I was the man, which nobody cares anymore, you know, but, um, but that was what I was really good at. And then I, over time, I just built my own, I said, I, we might as well build our own call center, you know, because I have all the tools and we know all the customers, so let's give it a shot. And from there, <clears throat> we built the call center and I built a few other businesses since then too. And, you know, and so that's my entrepreneurial journey into, you know, building the call center. As you mentioned, you know, we grew within three years to over a thousand people, 7,000% growth year over year, mating 500, went from zero to over 15 million in client billing and over 150 million a year in sales. And, uh, and so we do do a lot of revenue. Um, well, and, and I love the name, um, Listen Trust. You gotta, you know, share the background on that. Cause I think when you listen and you really understand where somebody is coming from, especially, you know, the, the call actual center, if you're just like right now, we can see each other, we can see each other and how we respond and all, but really that, you know, just being um, verbal on the phone, being able to listen to what somebody's saying and then build that trust by responding to what they're saying, share with us the story behind that. Well, so we were originally listen up Espanol, right? Cause it was, listen up same kind of concept around we're going to listen and try to close sales and but then it was we were primarily taking u.s hispanic phone calls and over the years as the spanish audience aged the demographic changed and because of google and the internet a lot of young hispanics would look at the english content over the spanish and if the numbers were even if somebody didn't speak english they'd end up calling the english 800 number instead of the spanish 800 number Mm. So over time, our business mix of business had to change, right? I mean, we went from 15 to 14 to 13 to 12. And then I'm like, well, this is a trend. We've got to, you know, we've got to fix this. So we started adding English services. But even people that knew and loved us wouldn't send us English business because we were listening up Espanol. Mm. And so I said, I think we need to do a name rebranding. And so we contacted three or four companies and we got some proposals and uh, we ended up working with a guy named Reed Perez from Branding as the People who, he really knew how to fit with a diverse bunch of personalities, mm -hmm. right? I'm kind of a comedic type. My business partner's a little bit stoic. You know, I mean, we, we have all these different personality types and we wanted somebody that could communicate with all of us. And he went through a process of, you know, looking at a lot of different factors and we came up with Listen Trust because we not only want to listen to people, but we want to gain their trust. And our format is different from most call centers. We actually personalize and disarm in the greeting as opposed to just asking for a credit card. Mm -hmm. And so we've got a little bit of a different approach to our phone calls. But as a revenue generator, I mean, we make six times per seat than most average call centers because we do a great job with learning how to communicate with our customers. Yeah, now, what that means is that, is that our clients are making more per seat. I mean, a lot of times you might think if they pay a little extra that it's costing them more, but when they pay a little extra and we perform as well as we perform, it saves them money. Mm -hmm. um, we, we typically are the, are, are a profit center, you know, for uh, companies in their customer service, their lead gen, whatever it is, because our performance typically allows us to be, um, Allows, allows us to do things they've never seen before. Mm -hmm. so. I love that, Craig. And it seems like, you know, you approach it definitely from a team approach. What are some of the things that you do with your team and the training to then be able to go that extra 
you know, mile with the customer? The well, we didn't do this right away, but we started, what I started to figure out is that most people growing up didn't want to be a phone, phone rep, right? I don't want them to just go through the process of answering calls and reading a script. I wanted them to be excited and proud of what they were doing. And so over time, I developed a program within the center called Dream Trust. And we have six pillars of happiness that we train people on. We have, we do one pillar in January and June, one in February and July, one in, so six pillars and we focus on twice a year. So January is health and June is health, right? And then February, you know, Valentine's Day and uh, July are relationships. And so we have different things that we do there. And then we have wealth and time off and happiness. And so we have all these different pillars where we're trying to teach people how to be happy. And uh, so we actually spend a couple of days in training talking about happiness. And then we talk about what their dreams are. We have a dream board and we have everybody write down what their dreams are. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a musician. You know, most people don't want to be a call center operator. They want to travel the world. They want to go to Disney. They want to swim a great white shark. So I put this program together so people could learn how to dream. And then I, that's where I wrote the book called Hired to Quit because I literally spent two days training people to quit. And we have some amazing stories. A lawyer works with us for four months and did a podcast. I showed him how to create his own podcast. And he interviewed all the lawyers in town. And what he did was he found out where the holes in, in the law are in Hermosillo. And then he opened up a shingle and everybody he interviewed on his podcast referred him that business. He had a thriving practice within six months. And I've got all these stories. Um, this one guy, we taught him how to do a Kickstarter. We taught him how to find sponsors within the town through some Facebook stuff and some programmatic media, which is some geofencing. And we had, he built a gym for kids and teach them how to box. And, wow. uh, and so, but he couldn't have done any of that without all the tools that we provided. So what we said is anything that you want to do in your life is possible. The harder you work here at Listen Trucks, the quicker you're going to be able to quit. Learn our sales process. Learn our core values and our culture. Learn everything that you can here and then go do what you dream of doing all your life. And the reality is our turnover went down because most yeah. people's dream is to be treated like a human being, which is what we did. But the easy thing is they want a car, they want a house, they want to take a vacation once a year. Well, with our happiness training, we were able to talk to them about saving their wealth and making sure that we put a savings fund away for them so they could go on vacation. We also went and negotiated properties, level one, level two, level three, level four, where the company did some sort of contribution so they could go on a vacation each year. We went to the banks, we worked out deals with the banks. So once you're an employee for six months, automatic car loan, a year, automatic house loan. Because wow, credit, I love credit, that. Credit, this yeah, is, so, can I come work for you, Craig? Well, most, that's why most people don't want to quit, you know, because they're happy. But then the unicorns, they should quit. They should go after their dream. They should go out and do art. They should go out and learn how to dance. You know, I mean, I don't want anybody there that doesn't want to be there. I want everybody to go start their own thing and to do what they dreamed of as a kid. And Love so that. That's where, that's where um, I started looking at this. My, my COO quit and bought a golf course. And I'm like... I was kind of a hypocrite because there I am teaching everybody to follow their dreams and I'm running operations in a call center. And I was like, one day it hit me and I put the business up for sale. I mean, we're now looking at potential mergers, acquisitions, whatever, but I hired an operations team and I, I am on two board calls a week of the call center. That's my only involvement now because I'm going after my dreams. Yeah. Marketing. I'm writing a lot of music because I'm a musician and 
you know, I'm doing, I got a song with the chain smokers right now. So. <laughs> you I'm know, one of um, but, you know, maybe yeah. one I'm like one of 30 probably, but I just love that because when you invest in your people, there's so many, um, I think, you know, talks towards, oh, talent management and it's so critical and important, but it, we fall pretty short in corporate America, really engaging and supporting the individuals that are, um, you know, making things happen within the organization. And Gallup has a study they've done for the last 30 years. And within a couple points, this is just a horrific number. 70% of people hate their job in the United States. If you go internationally, it's 89%. So just think of what that does to all those other things, right? Their health, their finances, their relationships, all those other things. And if you can just something as little is helping them be happy. My gosh, I mean, how simple is that when we overcomplicate that? Uh, where did you pull this from? Was it something that you just created or thought about or, you know? Combination. John Butcher has Lifebook out of Chicago. You know, he's in Bali now, but John Butcher created Lifebook, which has 12, you know, places of happiness. I thought 12 was a little complicated for presenting it to a workforce. So I wanted to simplify it into six. If someone wants to go down deeper down the rabbit hole, you could look up Lifebook and do that. And then I read uh, Matthew Kelly's book, Dream Manager. Mm. And uh, Matthew Kelly's got an amazing book about how he has a janitorial company and how do you motivate people in a janitorial company. And um, Mary, um, she's, I just met her, I've met her now three or four times. She's the one who was the Mary in the book, you know, and she was like, why don't we do this? And they put this this dream program together and people started enjoying their dreams. So I kind of put a combination of those things together as to, because I know happiness, we did a study with Forrester Research and when we paid people more money, the performance improved, but they weren't happier. Yeah. When we gave money to charity, we gave a dollar per sale away to build on, which is a children's charity to build a school in Haiti. And when we did that, the agent's performance went up. It didn't go up as much. It was for an upsell position. It didn't go up as much as the extra cash. It was like 15% increase instead of 17, right? So it was a little bit lower. But then we did a 45-question survey alongside of it. And lo and behold, everybody was happier when we gave money to charity. Mm. But when we went back and looked at the original closing rates, absenteeism, other factors, what we were able to determine is that because people were happier, instead of closing the primary sale at 55%, we closed it at 62. So even though the upsell revenue only went from 15, up, up 15%, and with cash it was 17, because we had gained 12 points or seven points on the front end, we were able to prove that happiness is profitable. Wow, that's a great so, story. That's a great title for a book too. Happiness is profitable. <laughs> it's so true. And it's so, you know, it's such a basic human desire. And I think, you know, having strategies around being happy, I mean, it sounds, it's like an oxymoron almost, right? So in our minds, I think, but what are some of the tools you named uh, a dream board and, um, you know, training, a two day training that you'd put them through? How daily did that show up? Because oftentimes you go in for, you know, a training for two days and the adoption rate, a lot of times, depending on what you're training on, really slips off. How did you consistently keep that in front of the team's 
um, you know, in, in the front of their mind to continue that journey uh, in their day-to-day -day work? Well, it's marketing. It's because the, uh, the, the pillars that we have, the six pillars, when they walked onto the floor, if they were out there in February, we had relationship counselors coming in talking about how to, you know, how men should react in relationships versus women. We had separate trainers for men or women. So that, you know, the male trainer would come in and tell men the six ways to stay in a long-term committed relationship. They'd come in and tell the women different things that they probably didn't want to hear, but that <laughs> they probably need to know. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I, they have things in the U.S. like the men's weekend or the women's weekend or, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, John Gray. Yeah. You know, there's all these things and it happens to be true. And I think sometimes this stuff should be taught in classes, you know, and when I went to some of these classes, it was shocking as to how obvious they were, you know, and you're like, I can't believe I didn't think of that. Like, but you know what, Craig, I think sometimes we miss the obvious so frequently. And for me, uh, even most recently with all of us being uh, stuck indoors and doing way more, you know, video conferencing and things like that, that I've done for well over a decade. I've been trying to pull others with me saying, hey, we don't have to be face-to-face 100% of the time. Um, and that, then all of a sudden it happened. But even right. learning the little things like, how do you interact you know, digitally on video? How do you do, you know, like, you know, mute yourself if there's, you know, you're eating your bowl of cereal or what? I mean, we don't want to look up your nose. We don't, I mean, these weird, weird little things like to me, because I've been uh, communicating this way, it was obvious, but our customers started asking us, Hey, can you put together a training on etiquette for video conferencing? Which to me, I'd be like, what? Like, because it's obvious, right? But it's sometimes I think it's the obvious that's really critical to communicate because you never know what the person on the other side knows or doesn't know, right? Based off of their own circumstances and where they've been. I had a lot of interesting conversations. Like I was doing a lot of my work by the pool. Mm -hmm. and it was, you know, it was hot. So I'd jump in the pool and then I'd come over to a Zoom call. The number of times people said, are you naked? On this <laughs> I'm like, they're like, you know, you should put a shirt on. I'm like, is that the etiquette? Because I'm by my pool. And so I'm not wearing a shirt, whatever, you know. That's hilarious. Well, and it depends, right? Who are you meeting with? Are you having an event? Are you meeting? I mean, all of a sudden I realized how something that seems so simple could actually be quite complex, depending on the context, right? You could be wearing sweatpants right now and nobody would ever know. Yeah. Well, did you see the video of the guy that was uh, uh, being interviewed and he accidentally moved? You could tell he had like, you know, boxer shorts on yeah. with the suit. I was like, that's awesome. It doesn't bother me. And, you know, it's interesting that... Well, the number of stories where people actually brought their Zoom conference into the bathroom with them. Yes, the gal. Oh, my gosh. She uses the bathroom because she thought, because Zoom on your phone, you know, not so much. We're on, I'm on a desktop now, so it just stays kind of static. But on right. your phone, what happens is it just goes to the person that's talking, right? That's only, right. so you think it, so you think if you're not talking... The other people can't see you, but the people that have the desktop can absolutely see you because it shows everybody, right? Yep. And she, yeah, she took her phone and was using the bathroom on a video conference call. I would have died. I mean, that thing went viral. <laughs> yeah, I've enjoyed seeing some of the funny stories of people with Zoom, so. 
Well, that's awesome. So share with us a little bit more about Hired to Quit and, you know, kind of how you put that together and promoted it and ended up kind of launching another company right alongside it. Yeah, a couple of companies, but um, that started to work. It lowered our turnover and, and we did have the right people that were quitting and, and I ended up writing the book and uh, I really wanted to, oh, and by the way, the other part of the training, we actually have really extensive sales training. That was where I was brought up, you know, was going door to door selling. And so we spent another couple of days teaching people on uptones, downtones, voice inflection, hesitation, modulation, emphasis, you know, where do you emphasize? Reading through punctuation and stopping and pausing in the middle of sentences to control calls. Asking questions with a downtone so a customer feels like they're part of the conversation, but really you're basically allowing them to say, yes or okay things like and that makes sense right yeah you know you just keep going but they feel like they're included in the conversation even though they're not mm-hmm. you know you're basically dictating when they're allowed to speak and when they're not and so we train people on all these amazing techniques on how to present benefits whether it's the feature function or primary benefit what the differences are between the three and how to close sales and how to use rebuttals and uh, you know a lot of real life scenario rebuttals around the Socratic method of getting a yes, which is having somebody say yes to three minor questions, which I've used many times in my life to meet women. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, there's... Well, hey, sales, right? I mean, sales, marketing's uh, marketing. That's right. Um, and then, of course, there's feel, felt, found, and all these common ways to talk to somebody about, you know, why their interest is, why their interest is there, but not to the point where they want to buy or whatever. And so all of the agents are trained really well in those things. But I was like, I was saying, when I had my COO quit to buy a golf course, I was thinking I was being a hypocrite. So I brought in an operations team and I'm on two board calls a week. And I said, what am I going to do next now that I'm going to grow up? And what I really want to do is write music. And I do write a lot of music today. I started writing a lot of jingles for a lot of my friends who have offers and products. And it turns out I'm really good at it. So they were able to lower their and so I started making, like a lot of people in music want to make money. I make like 100000 a year in music, but I mean, I want to win a Grammy. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm making money, which is what most musicians dream about, is making a living writing music. And I'm like, well, that's the easy part. For me, though, I want to win a Grammy. And so um, that's my goal. But I've been writing a lot of music, and then I kind of stumbled into this other business where in the last 60 days, it grew from zero to 40 people and over a half million in billing. And I started needing someone to manage my own social media as an author and as a musician. And I do some comedy, you know, as a business entrepreneur who does coaching, I wanted someone to manage all my social media. So I started looking for solutions and to repurpose old content was a big expense up front. And then like five to 7,500 a month. And then to manage my LinkedIn was five. And then to do my community management was five. And then to do my, um, somebody to book me on podcasts was expensive and somebody to, you know, do, do one-on-one marketing through LinkedIn, which is, or through Instagram. That was another expense. And it just was really expensive. So I just built it myself and uh, I didn't know it was a business until other friends asked me what I was doing in my own world. And I explained like, would you do that for me? Would you do that? You know, I had a friend post on Facebook and there were 20 people that were following. So I turned it into a business and just offered it to a few people and six people said yes within 24 hours and they all referred three people each like this 
And uh, next thing I know, I had 40 people and trying to keep up at 23 employees from zero and a half million in billing. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell just happened, but you know, <laughs> um, it shows no signs of slowing down. And uh, we're doing some amazing things. We're building up the content and then we're using one-on-one -on -one messaging to drive traffic back to the content to create engagement. And we're using the marketing skills that we all have you know, in the business, my marketing, I, my marketing brain, to find unique ways to create conversion and sale through traffic. So Dave Asprey is a good friend of mine from Bulletproof Coffee. I did a kind of a cartoon video for Dave drinking his Bulletproof and mm -hmm. Dave posted it and he got hundreds of thousands of people who viewed it, laughed about it, liked it. We did just one-on-one -on -one engagement. Hey, go to bulletproof.com and, uh, you know, save some money on your order with this coupon code. And, you know, those are the types of things we think about, you know, um, what's funny about that is I told him how to do it. And then his sales team was too busy going into Costco, you know, and trying to get into other targets and all these other retail stores that they didn't set it up that way. He got hundreds of thousands of views. And I was like, Dave, why didn't you, why didn't you just drive into your store and save some money? But um, we're going to do that in the next month because I just wrote a number <laughs> for him. Well, I can't but, wait. Like, with that type of idea, I mean, you're going to, you're going to generate a million dollars in sales, mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, and so there's all these different marketing ideas that my brain kind of dives into that starts with good social media and then goes into, you know, great marketing. I love it. I love it. So how can our viewers and listeners get a hold of you, Craig? Um, if they Google Craig Handley, I mean, I'm pretty all over the, I mean, I don't do anything with search, but I kind of come up everywhere. Um, but I'm always facebook.com slash Craig Handley, Instagram.com slash Craig Handley. Mm. And we'll LinkedIn make sure your, your social media handles are uh, posted yeah. as well. I'm easy. I'm easy to find, you know, I mean, I don't hide from anybody. I pick up my calls. I answer my Facebook messages. Even if someone's not connected, I check the junk folders, mm -hmm. you know, usually once a day, I'll kind of rifle through all my, all the odd spots that someone might be trying to reach me. And I'm, I like to think I'm really grounded and humble and uh, I like to help people. Fantastic. Well, great. I, I mirror myself after like Branson or Tony Shea. I mean, if you've mm -hmm. ever met those guys, down to earth, like the person yeah. next door. Elon Musk. I mean, you, all these guys, they're just down to earth. Paul DeGiorio. I mean, you could sit next to him. Jason Mraz. I actually hung out with Jason Mraz for two hours and didn't know it was him. Was, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's how humble that guy is. You know I mean? I'm sitting in a bar with him. We're talking about all these other crazy personalities. You know what, Craig? He probably yeah. appreciated the fact that you didn't know and you were just hanging out, right? Oh, I mean, but he's such an amazing writer. I would have loved to have known it was him to talk about topics about his music. I mean, that guy, just the way he writes is just genius. So that's awesome. Well, Craig, thank you so much for your time here today and being on the show. We really appreciate it. Yeah. I feel like we just got started. We could probably talk for another hour. I think so. <laughs> and we'll, we will continue the conversation for sure. Okay. Thank you for listening to the People Catalyst podcast. And remember, it's a good life.